0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America, NA member FDSE.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast
2: on ESPN Radio. The Bills have done what we all thought they couldn't do at times this season. They're back as the number two seed after beating Miami yesterday. We are Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. ESPN. ESPNU. You, you can be a part of Unsportsmanlike Nation on the Dr. Pepper call line at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. It's not college football season. Without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper, the ones fans deserve. All right, let's get you up to speed on everything going on because there is a lot right now. <laughs> All right, let's start with who's in the postseason. We'll start there because you heard the Buffalo highlights there. Uh, Baltimore is in as the one seed. Buffalo will host Pittsburgh Sunday at 1 p.m., Eastern time, Buffalo, of course, beats the Dolphins last night, Sunday night in football. Pittsburgh beats CC's Ravens, the second-string version of the Ravens, on Saturday. Mike Tomlin does it again, finds his way in the postseason, 10-win season. Kansas City is going to host Miami. Kansas City wins yesterday with all their backups against the Chargers. Miami uh, loses. They drop down to the sixth seed. And then Houston and Cleveland are going to face off Saturday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time as Houston gets in with their win over Indy. Jacksonville with the biggest letdown loss, collapse alongside Philadelphia. But Philadelphia is at least getting in the playoffs. Jacksonville outside looking in. San Francisco comes in as the one seed in the NFC. We have the Mike McCarthy Bowl, two versus seven. Dallas after their win against Washington, who fired Ron Rivera. We'll get to that in a second today. Uh, Green Bay gets in CC has said there's no player in the NFC no quarterback in the NFC in the second half of the season that performed better than Green Bay's quarterback in Jordan Love Mike McCarthy Bowl Sunday 4.30 p.m. Eastern Detroit and the Rams Stafford and Goff um, that'll be Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern time and then the Monday night game, which we'll have on the ESPN Family and Networks, Tampa Bay, give Todd Bowles, Baker Mayfield tons of credit. Third straight division title, this one without Tom Brady, of course, against Philadelphia, limping their way in literally and figuratively into the postseason. Jalen Hurts banged up yesterday with a finger. A.J. Brown banged up. That's the Monday night game, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Let's start there, guys. Quick thoughts on the playoff matchups, then we'll get into who got fired today. Cece, where are you going with these playoff matchups? Which one intrigues you the most?
3: Oh, the playoff matchup that intrigues me the most. I mean, I I I want to go Cowboys, Packers, but I know that that's the train that Smalls is on. So I'll shy away from that one. Let's go with Matt Stafford going back to the D, man. I mean, Matt Stafford going to face off against the Detroit Lions as a wild card. I mean, listen, you're talking about one of the hottest teams in football. I think they finished the season winning seven of their last eight games, including the the win they had yesterday with Carson Wentz as their starting quarterback. But, I mean, the Rams are a dangerous team. Of all of the teams in the NFC Wild Card picture, I mean, they're probably the team that I could see making a deep playoff run and getting to the championship rounds.
4: Absolutely. Uh, but I'm not looking at that as the Matthew Stafford game. I'm looking at, at that as a Jared Goff revenge game. Ooh! Everybody's going to look at Matthew Stafford going to Detroit. He obviously had a lot of success there. It's his return back to the Lions, But I'm also looking at Jared Goff and the team that cast him aside in favor of Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. The team that he took to the Super Bowl saying, we don't think you're good enough to get the job done. He goes to Detroit. He flourishes. I think this is a big statement game for Jared Goff when I look at that matchup. But you talked about the one that I'm the most intrigued by. It's, it's Packers-Cowboys. Dallas is the two seed, which... I think it surprised a lot of people because we just assumed Philadelphia would be able to get the job done, even though they faltered down the stretch. But the Packers are one of the hottest teams in football right now, and they have absolutely nothing to lose. They've already exceeded expectations. They've already had a successful year, proving that Jordan Love is indeed the guy moving forward. They outperformed what they did last year. They're in the playoffs. They have a young team who doesn't really know any better. There's no pressure on them. And the Dallas Cowboys have all the pressure in the world on them. They're at home, where they've had a lot of success this year. We only only view their season as successful if they can get it done in the playoffs. To me, that's the one I'm circling as Upset City right there.
2: All right. Now, the other part of today, the day after the NFL regular season ends, is obviously all the coaching moves, general manager moves, coaches moves in terms of coordinators. So here's what we have so far. Here's what we know so far. During the season, we know the, Ra- the Raiders, the Panthers, and the Chargers made moves With their head coaches, the Raiders seem poised to hire Antonio Pierce to be their full-time head coach. The Panthers seem poised to hire anyone that will take their job. And the Chargers seem (laughs) poised to go after potentially Jim Harbaugh if he is to win a national championship, even if he's not to win a national championship tonight on ESPN and ESPN radio that you knew coming into today. Here's what you need to know as of now. The Atlanta Falcons last night, right after midnight Eastern time, fired their head coach, Arthur Smith. He went 7-10 and 10 in three straight seasons. At the end of the game yesterday, the Saints scored another touchdown, an extra touchdown to go up 48-17. You're now going to have a lasting moment with Arthur Smith that's not going to be about his mustache. It's going to be about <laughs> screaming and yelling at Dennis Allen, the head coach of the Saints, at midfield for piling on, which was called by... Jameis Winston and not Dennis Allen we also know that the Washington Commanders have made a move today and they have fired Ron Rivera their head coach that was widely anticipated as they head into the offseason with the number two pick in the draft what we didn't know and didn't see coming is that Josh Harris brand new owner of the Commanders who also by the way owns a Philadelphia 76ers and New Jersey Devils hired two people to assist in the search for a new head coach one is Rick Spielman who was the general manager of the Dolphins and the Vikings And the other is Bob Myers, our teammate here at ESPN, who brilliantly ran the Warriors to four championships. He is now brought in. And I'll add one other thing and then obviously go on this, guys. It, Bill Belichick spoke to the media this morning. Let it be known that he's under contract. Bill Belichick, while winning six Super Bowls, I don't think ever let us know that he was under contract for the next year. Today he did, that he's fully under contract, and he seems committed to wanting to coach the Patriots specifically. We don't know when the meeting with Kraft is. It's been widely reported, including by our own Adam Schefter, that it's expected to end without Belichick being the head coach of the Patriots. But, CC, there is our update on kind of the hot seat in the coaching carousel right now.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest takeaway is Josh Harris, the owner of the Washington Commanders, hiring people that know what the hell they're doing and taking a step back and letting them go through the process of finding their next head coach. I mean, think about it. Uh, The last couple of decades under Dan Snyder, the Washington Commanders haven't been known to allow people, football people to handle football business. Dan Snyder did not empower the people in the building, did not give them autonomy to make the best decisions for the franchise. He would routinely usurp their authority and do what the hell he wanted to do and not take the recommendations of people that knew better. For them, bringing in Rick Spielman and bringing in Bob Myers, two executives in high level of sports that have have been a part of organizations that have had sustained success, to me, hiring them to lead the coaching search for them is a huge step in the right direction. The other thing that the Commanders have going for them, they got a cash-rich owner, they've got the second overall draft pick, and you're talking about a franchise that's going to be building a new stadium in the next couple of years. they got a lot of positives going on around D.C., and I think that if you're a prospective head coach, you're no longer looking at the Commanders the way that you once did a couple of seasons ago. It's a new day in Washington. And it's a good thing for that team, that fan base, but also for the national football league.
4: God, it's about time. It is about time in Washington. I know what it's like to be repulsed by the ownership of your favorite football team. And it's a (laughs) bad place to be. And, Washington was, for all intents and purposes, one of the crown jewel franchises in the NFL for many years. That fan base is so dedicated. They love their team. And to think that they have finally arrived at a place where they are poised to jump back into that echelon and and become a successful football team again, it's been a long time since Washington football fans could say that. But when you think about Josh Harris, Magic Johnson... Bob Myers, Rick Spielman. Do we have any doubt that those four plus maybe other consultants that they have can't put their heads together and find the right guy for the job in Washington? No doubt. I have no doubt no that they're going to do that. And if they get the right guy and have the right people in place, they're going to be able to draft their franchise quarterback. This is a great day in the city of D.C.
2: So what does that make you think? Where do you go mentally with that? If you saying coach? Well, if you're saying, hey, they put together this dream team of people that are advising Josh Harris. Where are they going? Because I, I disagree. I don't think he has a dream team. I think Bob Myers is the dream team. He's well, then a he walk- has it. Yeah, he's a walking dream team in terms of this. Magic Johnson is a walking dream team in terms of overall business.
3: But, but anything that Magic Johnson has touched has been successful. Yes. Correct. <laughs> Let's Without follow it no, I know. I, I'm yeah. saying from a business perspective. I, I absolutely- Even with sports franchises. I mean, the Dodgers won a championship. Magic Johnson was a part of and the ownership. And they're
4: a super group. team now. So,
3: yeah. so where do we go?
2: Where do we go with Washington? Does that now change your look in terms of is this the best opening?
4: You know what? If I'm Jim Harbaugh, I am very intrigued because he seems to be the big fish out there that a lot of people want. He's a great coach, has done it at the NFL level. He knows how to coach young players. He knows how to instill a culture. He's definitely the guy. If he tells you not to go in for a touchdown and you're out there in victory formation, do you think the players are going to not do what Jim Harbaugh says? Probably not. He knows how to work with quarterbacks. If they're going to handpick their quarterback out of this quarterback-rich draft, you've got – the capital to pay him more than Michigan offered him. If I am Jim Harbaugh, all of a sudden I'm looking at that job as a very attractive landing. Pretty spot.
2: easy to have family dinners with his brother in
3: Baltimore too. Yeah. Just, just saying. Right in the Beltway, yeah.
2: yeah. I'm just saying the whole family moves to that area. Like you're kind of <laughs> no. I'm being serious. Like they. No, you're not wrong. Real, you're like, not wrong. They're very not...
3: family oriented. So yeah. yeah. So is
2: that the best opening? Like is that the best opening Ooh. now? Versus here's the here's the other spin on this, which is not spin; it's fact. We could see more opening just because we don't see it today doesn't mean we're not going to see it. CeCe has spoke glowingly about hey, just because you're following Belichick doesn't mean the Patriots opening couldn't be. I a think good that's opening. a great job. Right. I think that's a great
3: job. I'll also.
2: Yeah, I'll also throw out there if Philadelphia potentially opens if they that lose would to be Tampa. A gra- that
3: would be a great job.
2: I'll also throw out there at what point the Shad Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, gets so annoyed that he starts flirting even while having Doug Peterson as the head coach.
3: I don't think that job comes open this offseason. Okay. I'm with you. Maybe you. I was right there with you until right. you went with the Jags. I think Peterson starts next year on the hot seat. But I'll say this. Like You threw it out there. Those are three really, really good jobs. New England, which we believe will come open later today. The Washington Commanders, which already came open this morning. And then the Philadelphia Eagles job, which could come open next Monday after they potentially lose to the Buccaneers. So, I mean, those are all three great jobs. If I had to power rank them, I would probably go Patriots one just because we have more. Wow. We We got more proof of concept with the owner. To me, that's where it starts, right? How good is your ownership? So, I would rock out there first. Then I would probably go with the Eagles. Then I would go with the Commanders. But there's not a lot of separation between two and three. So I think those jobs would be right there.
2: Ownership for the Chargers has turned you off enough where you would sit there and say, "I don't care
3: about coaching Justin yeah. Herbert." Yeah, I don't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Wow. Think about think about this. The Chargers have had good quarterback play. Whether it's Philip Rivers or Drew Brees, hell, even Dan Fouts, they've had good quarterback play. And oh, that's st- great
5: quarterback play.
3: And it's still been meh. So what, what like why would I Indeed think like is? with Justin Herbert? Like, why am I thinking it's gonna be different?
2: Boy, what an interesting like when you think about QB historically, we think about the Packers, right? We think about the 30, 40 years. If you and I know there's other guys in between, but they had Fouts, they had Breeze, they had Rivers, they have Herbert, and they went to a Super Bowl with Stan Humphreys. Yeah. Think about that, if I'm not mistaken. Think about that for a second.
4: And they're still meh.
2: Right. But they (laughs) actually have a longer line of competent quarterback play than we ever actually give credit for. Right? If you think about the Chargers' 30, 40-year run of quarterback play, it is way more competent than we probably think about. And yet you're still saying, nah, fourth or fifth on the list, if that, in terms of potential openings. Or current openings, for that matter. Yeah, they're down. They're down the line.
4: But I do think the one thing about ownership is they might give you a long runway because if you're going to bring back your coach after he has a major implosion in the playoffs, I think the new guy who comes in is probably going to get a pretty long uh, leash to do what he wants to do. Could
2: be. Could we? Excuse me. Be watching Jim Harbaugh's final game at Michigan tonight. We will find out coming up next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN
6: Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around.
5: Michigan, Washington, for it all, the national championship, it's awesome This will be a matchup of strength, Michigan boasting one
2: of the top defenses in the country Washington featuring an explosive offense Washington O-line won the award for best offensive line in the country So what is that matchup going to look like? Michigan's pressure unit versus Washington's protection unit Michael Penix Jr., not just last week, but all season long Has been evading pressure with his feet and throwing it downfield Michael Penix, he's the ultimate winner, he's a difference maker Who will raise the trophy? Find out tonight. The College Football Playoff National Championship presented by AT&T. Coverage begins 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you, and the man on the call tonight is the brother of somebody I've done many shows with in my life, Ryan McDonough, over at NBA Radio. And Ryan just texted me, Cool, you're having Sean on. Second best broadcaster in our family.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: is that true? You are the, you're now the second best broadcaster in the McDonald uh-huh. family? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting.
5: And Ryan is the most delusional member of our family. So wow. there you go. All
2: right, let's No, Ryan
5: started out in broadcasting. You know, he did some minor league baseball when he was in college at North Carolina. He has a great voice, Evan, as you know. Yeah. I mean, the first time I ever heard him do anything when he was uh, on the basketball team at Hingham High School in Massachusetts uh, before he made it onto the varsity. He was a very good player, by the way. Um, He did the PA for the varsity games, I think, when he was like a freshman. And I remember being at one of the games. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Hingham High School. I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have some competition here in the family. uh,
2: Yeah, I don't think so. Ryan's the best. Hey, Ryan, it's
5: good to know uh, we have a...
2: I, yeah, well, I, don't, I, don't you, I don't think I don't think you have. Uh, I don't think you have competition with that. I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, so for tonight, Michigan and Washington. This is such a fascinating national championship game because you have one team, Sean, that everyone expected to go there, and another team that's kind of out of nowhere. How do you look at kind of the theme and the storyline with this game tonight?
5: Yeah, I think it's a fascinating matchup on so many levels, and really looking forward to it. You know. I'm sure you guys get asked all the time, who do you like in the game? And I've been asked that several times during the week, and I really have no idea. I didn't have any idea last week uh, going into the Sugar Bowl when Washington played Texas. You know, to me, it was kind of a toss-up, and I think this one is too. So, you know, there are a lot of things to watch tonight. You know, the, if, I saw Jim Harbaugh said uh, the other day in a media availability, you know, their game last week against Alabama was a game in the trenches. You know, It was going to be kind of who controlled the line of scrimmage. And he was right about that. I mean, they dominated really from the first snap. They had six sacks against Alabama. I think that'll be a lot harder to do tonight against this Washington team that protects the quarterback about as well as any team I've ever seen. I mean, Penix uh, was dropping back and throwing deep balls a lot of the night against Texas. I think he hit the ground once on a pass play. I mean, he was basically untouched. So uh, two really good offensive lines. But, you know, as Jim Harbaugh said, this one isn't really a game in the trenches. It's more of a, a matchup game. And I think, you know, there are fascinating matchups on both sides of the ball.
3: Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I, I keep looking at this matchup when Washington is on the field, and I'm figuring out how does Michigan contend with having Rome Odunze on one side and Jalen Polk on the other one, too. Outstanding pass catchers for the Huskies. And, and Sean, I know you were on the call for the Sugar Bowl with, between Washington and Texas. What, what was the thing that stood out to you uh, about Michael Penix Jr. in the passing game from Washington?
5: Well, really, the whole package, and you just hit on some of it, Chris. You know, they they have the best group of wide receivers in the country. Yeah, I think Marvin Harrison might be the best wide receiver in the country. He's probably going to be the first wide receiver picked, and, and maybe the first player picked in the draft. And he won the Bullettinikoff Award. But I, I think Romo Dunes really should have won it this year. I'm not saying he's a better player, but I think he had a better season. You know, better stats, more clutch catches for his team. Uh, he's terrific, but you know when we talked to Steve Sarkeesian in the lead up to the Sugar Bowl game. He said he thinks you know the most dangerous guy might be Jalen McMillan, who really only played in about five games during the regular season. So that receiver group's a handful. You know Dylan Johnson, the running back, really came on at the end of the year and gave them a running threat. You know they became much more balanced. And you know the tight end is one of my favorite guys, uh, Jack Westover, because. He just has a knack for making you know a big play when they really need it. So to me, they have five dangerous weapons with Penix. Uh, Penix is phenomenal. You know, it certainly helps that he gets great protection. But he also, when he doesn't get great protection, has a great feel for where the rush is coming from. You know, it kind of reminds me of Tom Brady in that regard. You know, one of Tom's greatest strengths was just that little step or half step in the right direction to get free and get a throw off and you know, Penix does that exceedingly well. And then tremendous velocity, you know, about as as good as I've seen in college football, and, you know, the deep ball accuracy that, again, is about as good as I've seen. So, uh, you know, it would be a great matchup because Michigan's the best defense in the country statistically, you know, number one in scoring defense, number two in pass defense. You know, some of the pass defense numbers I wonder about just because they play in the Big Ten where there aren't a lot of great passing offenses. So. Yeah, we'll see how good they are on pass defense tonight, but I think it's a fascinating matchup, especially on that side of the ball when it's the Washington offense against the Michigan defense.
4: Sean, we talk so much about Jim Harbaugh as the head coach of Michigan and what he's been able to do with this program. We don't give the same amount of light to Kalen DeBoer, and he's gotten this Washington program in such a healthy place. What is it about him as a coach and a leader that has allowed him to arrive at this place?
5: Well, it's a great question, Michelle, and I think the there are a lot of answers to that. I think number one, he's just a really he's an outstanding you know technical football coach and a really smart guy. But I think even more than that, he's a really good person. You don't have to spend much time around him to know he is a sincerely good person, and people rally around him. You know, he's kept the coaching staff several of them back to his days when he was at the University of Sioux Falls. You know, when he first got to Washington, the most important thing he did was convince Michael Penix to transfer there. They had been together for a year in Indiana when Kalen was the offensive coordinator there. He and the coaching staff, when they got there, convinced those wide receivers we just talked about to stay. You know, a bunch of them were ready to jump in the portal and leave. But I think once they met him and Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator, they realized what the offense was going to be. They knew this was going to be a great offense for a wide receiver to play in, and it it is. So, you know, and he's another guy who has proven, you know, that you can, if you can win – Uh, you can win anywhere, right? And he won at Sioux Falls. Well, you know, but he's never coached at at this level. Well, you know, he really earned his way up. He spent a lot of time at FCS football as an assistant. FBS as an assistant, head coach at Fresno State. He's one of the best coaches in the country. And you're right. I mean, we've known about Jim Harbaugh, right, since he played uh, a long, long time ago. You know, he's one of the most well-known people in football. Uh, We don't know much about Kalen DeBoer, but I think the more we learn, we're realizing He really is one of the best coaches in the country and a terrific guy too.
2: Talk with Sean McDonough, of course, the ESPN broadcaster on the call tonight for the national championship game, Michigan and Washington this evening.
3: Sean, uh, curious from your perspective, do you think this is Jim Harbaugh's last game as the head coach of Michigan?
5: I don't know. I mean, I I think he would like to go back to the NFL. I mean, that's pretty obvious, right? You don't talk to Minnesota two years ago and Denver last year and, maybe some other teams uh, without at least being interested in going back. You know, I, I think this would be the right time. I understand why any college coach, if he had the opportunity to go to the NFL, would want to do it. I mean, college football coaching was hard enough before NIL and the transfer portal and all of that stuff. And it's gotten even that much harder. And your team changes over. A lot of these teams do every year. Uh, these are two teams, really, that haven't had a tremendous amount of transfers, which I think is actually a part of their success because they, they do have great culture within the program. I think we saw that with everything that Michigan uh, went through uh, this year, the way the players rallied together, rallied around Harbaugh and uh, the other coaches who coached when Jim wasn't there. So I would think so. I mean, Jim is quirky. I've known him for a long, long time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, his brother John is one of my closest friends, as you know, Chris. And uh, remember, I, uh, John's coming to the game tonight it's yep. for the benefit of the Ravens having a bye week. Um, so, you know, I don't know for sure, but I do know one thing. Uh, he is quirky, but I think he's a really good person, and I think he's demonstrated he's a tremendous football coach. Shall when you got- go back to the University of San Diego, Stanford, the 49ers, here at Michigan, Uh, You know, he's demonstrated he's one of the best coaches in all of football. So um, if I was an NFL team, I'd want him. If I was a San Diego, not the San Diego Chargers, sorry, old habits are hard to break, the Los Angeles Chargers. uh, Why wouldn't you want him? He's a proven winner. He's a a guy who could coach up Justin Herbert. Uh, That seems to be the team that gets the most attention. And to me, it makes a tremendous amount of sense.
2: John, let's finish with this.
5: And if you win tonight, yeah. I mean, what else yeah. do you have to do at Michigan, right? I mean, no, you could make nothing. the statement that this is going to be, they win tonight, you know, the greatest three or four-year stretch in Michigan history. Finished third in the country the last two years. they won three big, big Ten titles in a row, beat Ohio State every year. You put a national championship on top of that, what more do you have to do?
2: Uh, Nothing. And that's where we finish, obviously, Sean. Great job as always. We look forward to hearing you this evening on the call with Greg McElroy, our buddy Ian Fitzsimmons, Chris Budden as well. Thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. Enjoy this evening.
5: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
2: All right, there's Sean McDonough. be on the call tonight. National Championship game coverage begins 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. Ryobi is awesome. Let me tell you why, Ryobi. And that is why this Saturday may clean up easy with Ryobi, 18-volt, one-plus cordless leaf blower from the Home Depot. All right, coming up, a man who starred at Washington and played for a guy that is the greatest head coach in the history of the sport but may be looking for a job soon. We'll talk to Corey Dillon, Super Bowl champion, next. It's on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Michigan, Washington, for it all. The national championship, it's awesome. Monday's game will be the third time teams 14-0 or better face off. It was never
4: about, you know, winning another Big Ten championship. It was all about winning the national championship.
2: Michigan, Washington, tonight. Title on the line. We are on Sportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. Presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN as well now this championship game tonight most people believe is Harbaugh's last game CeCe you are still up in the air on that or leaning towards it's not his last game correct that is correct yeah, I have wavered on this myself.
3: Yeah, I, and I hear everything that Sean is saying with how difficult college football has become, but it feels like J- Jim Harbaugh has the swing of it. Like, it feels like he's able to convince guys that this is the place that you want to stay. This is a place that you want to grow as a player and not necessarily jump and ship because you don't get the playing time or your role isn't as what you thought it would be coming out as a prep player or coming into the program as a transfer. It's turned into an environment that players want to stick around for several years as opposed to potentially being one and done. So I don't know that this is something that you want to leave after you've gone through all of the pain, all of the trials and the tribulations and the criticism of building it up to what it is. Like right now, you've got a three-game win streak over Ohio State. And, and basically, that is you know, the the team that's in your way every single year to getting to the college football playoff. You figured out Ryan Day. And so I don't know that, this is a program that you necessarily want to leave for the jobs that we know to be available right now. I just, I don't see that right now. I think Jim Harbaugh hiring Don Yee and all of the posturing toward the NFL has been toward, has been, you know, the, the motivation behind it has been becoming the highest paid coach in college football. And until that happens, I think you're going to continue to get this speculation. But if Michigan does make him that offer after he wins a national title, which I would expect they would, I have a hard time seeing him leave
4: So you think if he wins, he's going to stay because I think if he wins, it's more likely that he leaves. That you ride off into the sunset after you did what you promised. You brought your university, the one in which you're an alum of, back to national prominence, back to being a national champion. Knowing that you have all of these options in the NFL and some pretty enticing ones at that, whether it be going to LA to coach uh, what we assume to be a franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert or Washington, who has new ownership and who is going to throw every Every possible resource at you including a bag of money to be there and you get to choose your own quarterback there's just some really interesting options in the NFL for a proven guy at the NFL level in Jim Harbaugh and to me if I was ever gonna leave my alma mater it's after I won a national championship if he gets it done tonight
2: I thought all season he was coming back and recently I just think now nah, he's gone he's gone. Mm-hmm. like I th- you know what else we we probably and Sean McDonough just referenced it with us we probably don't mention enough He's interviewed for NFL jobs every offseason for the last few years. Yes. Right? So, like, he's going to interview regardless of if he comes back or not. Like, that's just what he does this time of year. I have a weird feeling tonight's going to be one of two things. Either a Michigan blowout in favor of the Wolverines or a Michael Penix just unbelievably dominant performance that puts him in the top five of the NFL draft. Like I, For some reason, I don't see a close Michigan win or a big Washington win. I think it's going to be all in on Michigan or Penix is going to be so unbelievable that we literally come in tomorrow and say, well, you can't pass up on him if you're two, if you're three, if you're four in the
0: draft.
3: Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Here's what I'll say about it. I don't know that Michigan has played uh, uh, an offense as dynamic as Washington. Not Certainly not a passing attack. I mean, we just heard from Sean McDonough who covers college football for us and and he was just saying some of the past defense numbers for Michigan might be a little bit inflated by virtue of the conference that they're in. The Big Ten, they're not known for throwing the ball around the yard, and that's what Washington is going to do tonight with those receivers that they're bringing to the party. So I don't know that they have an answer for Rome or Dunze and, and Jalen Polk and company. I, I just don't. And so that, to me, is the part where I could see Washington making it a one-sided affair. If you told me tonight's game was going to be a blowout – I would tell you that Washington is going to win this game.
2: Wow. Interesting. A Washington blowout.
3: Yes. I don't see, I don't think Michigan plays a style that's going to allow them to blow out Washington. And here's the thing we know that Washington can score. So is a double digit deficit something that scares Michael Penix Jr. and company?
4: No. No, not at all. Um, I also think that Michigan hasn't seen a quarterback like Michael Penix no yet this season. So no even doubt. though their defense is tops in the nation, they haven't seen a guy like this. So will he, they be able to control him? And Washington loves to dictate the pace of the game. Are they going to be able to control him? Um, I could absolutely see Washington running away with this. Even though Michigan is an outstanding team and yeah. he's going against a formidable defense, Washington has been overlooked. All season long. Everybody has has counted them out or said that they should be underdogs in certain situations. We know that they're a great football team, but most people are coming in with Evan's perspective. Saying if it's going to be a blowout, it's going to be at the hands of Michigan. And I could see Michael Penix Jr. and Washington making a massive statement tonight.
2: So can we flip something then? Go ahead. Let's just play out what you just said. Washington blows out Michigan. Penix Jr. looks awesome. We talk about all these NFL head coaching open openings, right? We have one with the Chargers, mm-hmm. the Raiders, the Panthers, now the Falcons, now the Commanders, right? Am I missing any that we know of right now? We, we assume that New England is going to potentially be open. Should Kalen DeBoer all of a sudden be a guy that we keep an eye on here? Because you're never going to hit a higher peak than this, right? You can always go back to college. Yep. He may never have an opportunity to go to the NFL again coming off of a championship. Is he now a guy that we should think about?
3: It's a conversation, certainly, but I would also wonder if some of the shine comes off of Jim Harbaugh if that does happen. Like for all of these teams that are positioning themselves to make a run at Jim, if you get blown out by Washington, who a lot of people have deemed to be an inferior team, what does that say about your prospects of jumping to the NFL? Do people really jump on board with you being that elite-level coach? Now, I guess we've got proof of concept because he's taken a team to the Super Bowl and the 49ers went to three straight conference championship games. But I just wonder, like, is it going to be the, the dollar figure that he would be looking for in order to entice him to leave Michigan to go to the NFL mm-hmm. if he doesn't win this game tonight?
2: Okay, so there's a couple of other things. We are on Sportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can listen to us on ESPN Radio, watch us on ESPNU. I guess Corey Dillon has decided if, if Washington wins, he'll come on with us, okay. right? So we'll have to wait to see if Washington <laughs> wins for him to join us. But let's just get you up to speed on a couple of things that's going on right now. We mentioned the coaching moves that we have seen, right? Washington makes their move today. Ron Rivera is out as head coach. The juicy part of this is we, we knew Rivera was going to get bounced, which, by the way, also, side note, that probably means Eric bien is going to get bounced, so his yeah. candidacy wow. as a head coach is probably not going to be there this offseason. When mm-hmm. we,
4: last week, did all of the storylines for the NFL heading into this season, we forgot to mention Eric Bienemy and this being the year that he finally gets that head coaching job. Well,
2: two things didn't happen with him. One – um, he didn't get an opportunity to get a couple of games as a head coach if they were to fire Rivera early. so he never got that and two and CC pointed this out long before anyone else. Uh, he wasn't good. So to, the thing that didn't happen was he didn't get them to the place he got the Kansas City offense to. Now obviously Mahomes and and Howell are a little bit different in terms of the quarterback. Mm-hmm. but CC, you've been saying all year like I don't like bringing this up because like a Guy has been a good coach. But he hasn't been good this year with that Washington offense. So they, they make a change. But Bob Myers and Rick Spielman come in to help um, advise in the coaching search. Yes, Bob Myers of the Warriors fame comes in and helps Josh Harris, the owner of the team, who also owns the Sixers and the Devils, uh, in addition to the Washington Commanders. In addition, we have Arthur Smith out in Atlanta – so we have that opening. The playoff matchups are now set with Dallas and Green Bay, Detroit and the Rams, Tampa and Philly, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Miami, Houston and Cleveland with San Francisco and Baltimore as the two buys. And then, of course, the draft order is set. Chicago, Washington, New England, Arizona, the Chargers, one through five. Is there anything else that you guys are sitting here saying? I'm surprised this hasn't happened. Or maybe this will happen today that's kind of on the docket here. Maybe it's injury updates, LaPorta and Detroit. Yeah. Uh, there, is there anything still on the docket for today? Because today we know is going to be a busy day leading up to the championship game tonight.
3: I'm shocked that the Jets aren't making a move. Like, And we're, and we're getting this news now, according to our very own Rich Semini, that says not only is Rob Sala and Joe Douglas going to be back, but all three coordinators are expected to be back, too, Ridiculous. including Nathaniel Hackett.
4: Yeah, but are you really that surprised? I mean, I'm Aaron, shocked. Aaron Rodgers is running this thing, and yeah, he likes uh, everybody involved.
3: Yeah, but it already went off the rails four plays into your season, and you're going to run it back thinking that things are going to magically be better? A Quarterback coming off of an Achilles in his age 41 season? What, I just I don't understand it. But it just speaks to the desperation that the New York Jets have. And what I say about desperation, it makes for interesting bedfellows. And that's where the Jets are at right now.
4: Yeah, but doesn't it feel very Jets, though?
3: It does. We knew it was going to be spectacular, either in a good way or a bad <laughs> yes. way. And right now, it's clear that it's the latter and not the former.
4: Yeah. There's
2: one thing I'm looking at today to see if it happens. And CC's already predicted he doesn't think it's going to, but I'll still throw it out there. Dennis Allen, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. The fact that Jameis Winston took over management of that team yesterday and decided to change a play call on a kneel down.
3: But Jameis said he was speaking for the locker room. The, the guys in the huddle wanted that to happen. That wasn't Jameis having That wasn't Jameis having carte blanche. Would that have happened to the was, Steelers? That was the guys in the huddle saying that. Well, hell, with this with this version of the Steelers, who knows? Okay, bad example. Yeah, but you get what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, 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 yeah but exactly. even with this
4: version of the Steelers, I don't think they would disrespect Mike T like but, that. It ha-
3: but here's my point. It happens all the time. It happens in the National Football League where the guys that are calling the plays on the field decide they're going to do something different than what the head coach wants to do. It's just that we don't hear the head coach come out and directly contradict what happened. We never hear it play out that way. And Dennis Allen went in the post-game press conference and let it be known that the players don't respect his authority. And I say this all the time, Smalls, it's better to be thought of as a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. That's what Dennis Allen did in the press conference yesterday. He let everybody know that he's not the captain. It's whoever's on the field calling the plays. They have more respect. They have more respect. Than he, do, than he does in his locker room. The second-string quarterback got more respect than Dennis Allen does in his own organization.
2: As I said, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with Dennis Allen today. Coming up, Canty's best bet, plus our most unsportsmanlike moment of the day. We're unsportsmanlike on, on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any.
0: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. He survived a terrible, terrible moment in our history. The most unsportsmanlike moment of the day. That was
5: terrible. Was not a great look.
2: Yes, we are going to have our Unsportsmanlike moment of the day here on Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. But first, before we give you our funny, weird, quirky moments, we get Canty's best bet.
3: Let's go. We're still looking for a win in the new year. We got to bounce back, Smallman. <laughs> by the way. I don't feel like I've come off of vacay yet. I still got a little bit of vacay brain. Okay. But now, after That's I've got a God week's wins. worth of work under my belt, we're going to start strong. And of course, we got to go. With the national championship game, right? Have like, to. there's no other angle that we would go when it comes to best bet of the night. So, here's what we're going to do. I mean, heater playing we're, the Rockets. We're, we're going right? to put together, of, of course, like I said, there's no other place to go. So, we're going to three-game parlay. Three-game parlay. Okay. All right? I, I need you to be on, uh, three-leg parlay. I need you to be on board with this. The Washington Huskies plus five and a half points. Okay. Michael Penix Jr., Jr. Over one and a half passing touchdowns. I like it. And Blake Corum, over 112 and a half total yards. So that's rushing and receiving.
4: Here's
2: why I don't think that makes sense. Go ahead. With Corum? You're riding the first two that you you're kind of go in the Washington upset route and obviously Penick's the star of the show. But if Corum is getting the ball enough where he can control the time... Then you're saying Washington's just going to be quick strike the whole game. So wouldn't the move on a betting perspective be to bet the under on Quorum that they never actually get him going?
3: No, not if you watch the end of the semifinal game because on that final drive it was Blake Quorum that got it started with a 30-yard catch and run. He did. But they won
2: that game. Yeah, yeah,
3: but they were behind in that game. And so if I'm scripting a game where Michigan is behind, I'm expecting that Blake Coram is going to be featured in the passing game because here's the thing. As much as I like Roman Wilson, I don't love Michigan's downfield passing passing game against competent defenses. And so I'm thinking that they're going to have to scheme up creative ways to get Blake Corum the ball because he's one of their biggest threats in terms of catch and run. So whether it's him as a runner, him as a receiver, I don't see a game script in which Michigan can hang in this thing where Without Blake him. Corum doesn't have a big day. So that's why I'm going Blake Corum over 112 and a half total yards. And the three leg parlay pays out at plus 485. So I'm going to give it to you again. Huskies plus five and a half points. Penix Jr. over one and a half passing touchdowns. Blake Corum over 112 and a half total yards from scrimmage. Pays out at plus 485.
4: I like it.
2: All right. We got uh, three things here for unsportsmanlike moments of the weekend slash day, whatever it is. Something fun, something different, something quirky. The first one specifically may be for smalls. I'll explain in a second. But on the national championship um, angle, Jim Harbaugh gave his beliefs on sleeping. Mm. Here he is.
5: I say the two nights before is the is the is the sleep you play on. I have no scientific evidence to uh, to present to you <laughs> on that. Um, I just know, you know, when I played uh, and when I sometimes when I coach too, and uh, just the night before a game, sometimes I don't always, always sleep great. So uh, you know, I've convinced myself and that uh, if I get at least two nights the 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 night before, the night before the game. If I get a great night's sleep there, I, I go. That's the night. That's the night of sleep you're playing on. So, uh, and if you get a really good night's sleep the night before a game, then then that's a that's a real bonus.
3: Okay, he ain't wrong. Really? He ain't wrong. Really? No, he's not wrong. I was gonna ask because people wrong. say this about no.
2: marathons that it's like if he's saying basically it's the Saturday night sleep that impacts the Monday night game.
3: Yeah, that's he's not, true. He's not wrong. I'm just saying that? when you have a big game like that you're probably not going to get a ton of sleep. Like, you'll lay in bed, and the best you could hope for is just being prone and being off your feet, but it's the rest that you get the two days prior to that. So it's like if you got a big game on Sunday, like the Super Bowl, for instance, Super Bowl 46, we're playing in Indianapolis, to me, the most important days for sleep were that Thursday night and that Friday night. Mm. Because that Saturday night, you know, you're going to be in your room, you're going to be chilling, but you're not going to get a whole lot of sleep because you've been dreaming about this game for your entire life. You know what I mean? So like, it's just like national championship game, Super Bowl, those are the games that kids dream about playing in. So... The night before is going to be a tough ass to get a nice eight hours of sleep. What you're hoping is that you can just lay in bed. You can just chill and, and that thing. But the, the two nights prior to that is, are the nights that everybody's banking on. So if they got a great sleep, great sleep on Friday night, Saturday night, they should be good to go tonight.
4: I never thought about it that way. So
3: think
2: about that for your marathons, right? Oh, and you got to do re- it two nights in advance. That's the
4: key then. Well, I never sleep anyway, but I rest easy the night before a marathon because I don't care how I finish. It's not like the national championship game (laughs) or a Super Bowl. I'm not looking. I'm not going to win the thing. I just need to cross the finish line. All right. There's
2: some other things on Sportsmanlike Moments. How you walk into the game, right? NFL players, NBA players, we're all kind of filmed going into the game now. So there was a Washington Commanders player that came into the game uh, yesterday for them in overalls and no shirt underneath. Yeah. Overalls, no shirt underneath. No. How do we feel about this look? Would you ever have... (laughs) That into a game, CeCe.
3: It actually works for him. And I've seen Kayvon Thibodeau, outside linebacker for the New York Giants, show up to a game in that same get-up overalls. No shirt underneath. Now it looked a little bit different on him than this <laughs> player from the Commanders. I'm assuming that's a lineman, so I want to show some love for the bigs for having body positivity and having the confidence and the swag to pull it off.
4: It's all about I, confidence. I actually
3: have no problem with his it, balls.
4: It's just a little Vince Woolfork moment. Uh, you know what exactly? I mean? No problem
3: with it. No okay. With well, it. what about this?
4: I'm a girl from the Midwest. I, think I love a little. I think,
3: it says, I think it says a lot about it. It was pretty cold out there yesterday, and for him to be out there and no shirt on. You put
4: your overalls on when you're going to work. Yeah. And I think that's a symbol. I'm going to work.
2: What about
3: walking I don't think into m- a game? many of those guys went to work yesterday they got blasted yeah. thirty eight
4: <laughs>
2: what about uh, walking into a game barefoot because we have that as well that um I think this is is this Mac hollins who is this I think it's mac hollins wide receiver uh walked into the game barefoot. How do we feel about that dirty grounds stadium it's disgusting okay, go for it
3: yeah it's disgusting <laughs> I mean we're just barefoot like walking on like walking on the ground and walking out in public sidewalks and and in a stadium tunnel? I mean, you don't know what's on that floor. That's just nasty. Would yeah. your
2: would your mentality change today if you were still playing about your entrance versus then? Because you guys weren't filmed as much as they are today walking in. Would you have would you have to step up your, your game? No, I'm not
3: thinking about that. I'm thinking about you so know just going jumpsuit beat, and whatever. Beat, beating the offensive lineman, how I'm gonna handle double teams, all that kind of crap. I'm not thinking about being fashioned forward in that instance. But just to go back on him walking in barefooted, yeah. I don't even go barefoot in hotel showers. Like I have shower shoes on. You really? do? I do. Yeah. I don't. I, I think that's just disgusting.
4: I just assume the cleaning crew has handled it before uh, I step in there.
3: No, but I mean, usually hotels have carpet too on the floors, and it's like you're walking on carpet in a hotel room. Do you know the germs that that carpet wear the is harboring? Provided. Wow. Yeah, I'm just saying, it's just it's a thing. More to do on that one, day. <laughs> Greedy coming up next. We are on to Tuesday
1: on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.